We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I'm your host, Jethro Jones, and excited to be here for an amazing interview. We're going to do a follow-up interview with AJ Stick, who's the founding principal of the Greater Dayton School, which is a unique school, private school in uh, Dayton, Ohio, that is designed to really put a lot of emphasis on educating the whole child and sticking with them until they are 27 years old. So AJ, welcome to Transformative Principle. Great to have you here. Thank you. So tell us what you think people should walk away from, uh, what was valuable uh, from this interview. You know, I think some, some takeaways. First off, if you're, a, if you're a founding school leader, this is, this is a great interview. I'll share some stories, share some insights on what we learned being a founding school. Um, secondly, if you're interested in whole child learning, especially um, you know, focused on kids from under-resourced communities, this is a, a great interview to listen to. We're a great school to learn from. We had the benefit of traveling the country and finding other innovative schools that serve kids from under-resourced areas. And so we've kind of smushed all those ideas together into one school and uh, we're, we're pretty innovative. Yes, that you are. I'm pretty excited about this interview. One of the things that I think is so powerful is how you're using personalized tools in what I believe is the right way where the personalization is the priority, not the afterthought. And yeah, we're yeah. going to talk about that. And I think that that's really powerful. So uh, AJ was on Transformative Principle earlier before the school even opened. And uh, you can find that uh, link in the show notes. Uh, but that was episode 391 of Transformative Principle. So you can 
uh, search for that at transformativeprinciple.org. And we'll get to our interview with AJ here in just a moment. If you've been listening to Transformative Principle for any amount of time, you know that I have a love-hate relationship with EdTech. We have the ability to personalize learning for every single one of our students, and yet so many of our EdTech tools fall short. We need our technology to do more for us. That's why it's so important for me to know that IXL provides true personalized learning across the entire pre-K-12 curriculum and that it's proven to benefit all student populations, including English language learners and students in special ed programs. As a principal, I've used this in my school. As a parent, I've had my children use it as well. And let me tell you, this is a tool that definitely helps students learn and practice better. IXL is research proven to accelerate achievement. Studies across 45 states show that IXL schools outperform non-IXL schools on state assessments, and independent research from Johns Hopkins University verifies that IXL meets ESSA Tier 1 standards. With those results combined with IXL's teacher-friendly reputation, what more could you ask for? Now, you also know that I don't care so much about test scores, but I know that they are legislatively convenient and something that we have to deal with and manage on a day-to-day basis. If you can implement something that is easy and effective, why wouldn't you do it? If you have a goal to increase achievement for all students, make sure to find out what IXL can do for you. Visit IXL.com B for a demo. That's IXL.com B-E. For those who don't know, tell us a little bit about the Greater Dayton School and what, what y'all are doing that's so powerful. Yeah, the, the Greater Dayton School, it's a, it's a private school for kids from under-resourced backgrounds in the Dayton, Ohio area. And there's a few things that make us very different. Um, I think the first thing is what we teach makes us very different. How we teach is also a big differentiator, but what we teach is really important. So we, we teach the whole child. I don't mean that in a way like, oh yeah, we, we teach the whole child. I mean, like we teach and assess and, and that's what our, our grade book is, is based on. And, but yeah, I mean, we spend $30,000 per student every year, which is two to three times what public and, and private schools spend per pupil to give our students kind of this amazing world-class education. We're, we're fortunate that there is uh, financial backing from uh, an investor called Larry, the guy's name's Larry Connor and his business funds the scholarships that pay for students to attend. So from pre-K through eighth grade, which is our grades, kids get over a quarter million dollars invested in their education, which is, is pretty phenomenal. I, that is pretty phenomenal and way, way more money. But what does that look like in reality? Obviously, a lot of that's going to teacher salaries, but well, yeah. how else do you divide out that 30000 per student? Yeah, I mean, a big part of it goes to to teacher and staff salaries, and and that's because we have super small class sizes, and we have two teachers in a class, twenty kids in a class, and so part of the model is we give kids an amount of individual attention and support for self paced learning. Yeah, you just you just need people for it, so that's a big chunk of it. But you know, another big chunk of it is transportation. It's about 7% of our budget is paid for transportation. We run our own in-house transportation. 
we do breakfast, lunch, and dinner for every student every day. We have our own chef and Chef Tim makes very healthy meals. There's always fresh fruits and vegetables. And so that's a big expense. And I would say the biggest, the last biggest expense is just the wraparound services. So we have an on-site um, partnership with Dayton Children's Hospital, which is the leading pediatric facility in the region. And their doctor is on our campus. Have, we have a full-time nurse on our campus. We have a full-time mental health therapist, speech pathologist, occupational therapist. We have a dental truck out here today that has three dentists on it doing cleanings and procedures and fillings for all of our students. So that's the kind of wraparound support that we provide all of our kids. And, and that's, that's not cheap. No, not, not cheap for parents, but your target is kids from underserved communities. So those things become even more valuable for them. Let's hear a story or two about your first year. Uh, just as a reminder, you were on Transformative Principal in uh, February of 2021 before the school had opened. And so we didn't know like what that would look like. But some of the things that you mentioned were having, you know, investing $30,000 per student per year, which is pretty amazing. So what are some of the stories of how it started up, how things went, maybe some fun things that maybe weren't fun in the moment, but are fun to look back at now? I think first, anyone that's thinking about doing a school startup, like you really should be naive. That's, that's a, that's a benefit. I just thought this would be so easy. I'm like, oh, sweet. We got this rich guy and he's going to donate all the, this money. So you don't have to like raise money. You don't have to hound people for tuition. You're a private school. You kind of get to do things your own way and not have all the bureaucracy of a public school system. I'm like, this is going to be simple. And it's good that I was that naive because I think if I knew what I was getting into, I probably wouldn't have done it. That's it hilarious. Like, it, was, it was so hard. I was just talking to some people about, about being a startup school. And I was listening to um, Elon Musk talk about startups. And he's like, it's like eating glass. And after having done it, I would agree with that. It really is like eating glass. I mean, I would wake up in the middle of the night, just like cold sweats, unable to sleep for, you know, two or three nights a week. I mean, I just couldn't sleep because there was so much to do. Um, one just quick quick anecdote was we had a temporary site. We're moving into, next week, we're moving into this incredible facility. It's a $60 million campus, state-of-the-art. I mean, it's fantastic. But that means our first entire year of school in the first trimester of our second year, we were in this temporary site. Well, we rented this place, signed the lease and everything. About two months before we were supposed to open school, the fire marshal walks into our door. And we just assumed because we kind of looked through, we did our due diligence and we thought we were good to go. Long story short, the guy says, you're not, you're not going to get educational occupancy for this building. You can't open the school in the temporary site. Yep. And so we had to, it, I mean, it was crazy. We had all the families lined up. We had teachers lined up. We had our curriculum and everything. And so we had to, in the matter of like three weeks, we had to find a guy that could install a sprinkler system on an entire floor. 
we had to do all this kind of random fire abatement work that we had no idea about. We had not budgeted for any of this, of course, because we thought the building was good to go. So yeah, if you're, don't, don't take a landlord's word for it about educational occupancy. That's my lesson to all. Yeah. The people that are using it, but yeah, temporary site. Yeah. I've, I've heard that a lot. So how many kids did you start with? 80. 80. 85. Okay. 85, yeah. So starting with a, a manageable number, but it's not, it's not like you're starting with 20, right? So there's still a lot of kids. What are some of the results that you've seen in just the first year that are really inspiring to you? I think the one that's most inspiring is not on this report I'm looking at, but it's on a report one of our, the guys at our foundation sent me. But we, we work with the local Medicaid company, CareSource. They're the largest Medicaid provider and, and virtually all of our students are Medicaid eligible. And I just got a report that shows we are about 30% higher in every category from dental to annual well child visits to eye exams um, than the average kid on Medicaid. What does that mean? It means that the average kid in Montgomery County, about 60 on uh, Medicaid, about 60 to 70% of them get their well child visit to dental cleanings and their eyes checked every year. We're closer to 95%, 96%. Wow. So that's, you know, we're removing a huge barrier for kids and you know, kind of the way the rest of the world in, in America anyways, tracks reading and, and math scores from a federal law and state law standpoint. Like we, we take that same level of care and attention for, for these whole child outcomes, like physical health and preventative care. So that's just one example. Um, another one is we, we started the year and 51% of our kids were, were at grade level in, in the academic contents that you would, you would expect reading, math, writing. And, and by the end of the year, 83% of them were at or above grade level. One that I'm super proud of, we started the year 51% of our kids passed the presidential fitness test. So if you, if you know that, if you're familiar with the fitness gram, you know, it's like the mile push-ups, pull-ups, curl-ups, stretches, things like that. And then by the end of the year, 96% of our kids passed the presidential fitness, fitness exam. So like looking at these, just these two things of academic benchmarks and physical fitness benchmarks, like it, well, three things and the getting well child checkups, dental, all that kind of stuff. You're, you're having 95% of your kids in all three of those areas performing at a level that essentially everybody would want them to, right? They're getting those things yeah. done. They're doing well in the reading and math. They're also doing well in their physical fitness. Like those are not insignificant, right? And I know you have more data that we'll get to in just a second, but I just want to stop for a second, ask everybody who's listening, what would it be like if 95% of your students had those things already taken care of after just being with your school for one year? Like how much farther can you go? Uh, cause you, you had 85 students. You started K2. Is that right? Uh, Pre-K, pre-K three, we started. Yep. K three. Okay. So you, you take these 85 students pre-K through third grade and they're all almost at that level that you would, that you would want them to be. 
how much more can you do with them when they're coming into kindergarten through fourth grade already on grade level, already physically healthy, already taking care of their Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the low ones, like that is, that is pretty incredible. What other data do you, do you want to share before we move on? I mean, I agree with, with you that that's the question we're asking ourselves. And, and I mean, it's not all, it's not all roses and sunshine. Don't get me wrong. We had a great first year and it exceeded my expectations. I think all of our expectations by any stretch of the imagination, but we do screening for other things too. Um, we do screening for mental health. We do screening for character and there are national tests for these and we're using them as benchmarks to kind of track, you know, progress towards these, these age 27 goals, because, you know, as you and I have talked about Jethro, we're going to follow our students until they're, they're 27 and their brains fully developed. And, and frankly, the mental health and the character scores are not as good. I mean, we, we jumped up from 42% of our kids passing a mental health screener at the beginning of the year to 53%. So we saw an 11% increase, but I mean, it's still, there's still a lot of room to grow. And I think for all of us that have, were successful in school, but also were successful in careers, you kind of know that those two aren't always the same. And the differentiator is like character. Do you have character? Do you, are you kind to others? Do you work well in teams? Those are kind of the soft skills that make people, but you can be like a B student. And not and and not be like super great in school, but can be really great in your career because you're you know you have those soft skills. And so those are the things that we're thinking about now. Like we really got to develop those. Yeah, and there are lots of there are lots of schools who aren't even doing mental health screeners or character screeners that that measure those things. So they overall kids are good and want to be good and want to have good yeah. mental health and all that kind of stuff, but. Uh, but if they're coming from a disadvantaged population and there's no way for you to, to know how they're doing, uh, that can be really challenging. You know, we just had on the show, uh, Mitch Weathers, who wrote a book about executive functioning, um, for the classroom and how those soft skills or, or other skills are not academic subjects still need to be taught, but they don't need to be taught like lessons. They need to be taught as yeah. modeling and experiences. And I think that that's uh, really important. And that's a lot of the kind of teaching that you do. Tell us more about how you teach yeah. uh, that differentiates you from, from other schools. Well, how we teach is, is probably the thing that people come in here the most and they're like, what's going on? Because it's radically different. We were fortunate enough where, when I last talked to you at back, Jethro, back in 2021, you know, I was traveling around the country and visiting schools, reading books, talking to people that were doing innovative work. And, and basically we were trying to find the thing instructionally, like teaching wise, that was really going to move the needle. And I, I was you know, I was really influenced by Hattie's work and visible learning. And, you know, he kind of has all of those things prioritized by effect size. And, um, and so we knew what some of those things were. Obviously, teacher quality is a big, is a big thing. RTI, MTSS, whatever you want to call it, is a big thing. So we knew those were like two key components of, of what we we're going to do. But then 
the last thing is, is this, this thing we're talking about now, which is how do we teach? And that's where we came across Benjamin Bloom's research from the University of Chicago. It's old research. Acton Academies, they kind of are inspired by this. The Khan Lab School out in California, they're inspired by this. And um, it's, it's my belief, having seen Acton Academies, having talked to the people at the Khan Lab School, and then now having a year under our belt with, with this model, it's my belief that you really can have kids in the 10th percentile grow to the 80th percentile in, in, in one year. Um, but it's because of how you teach and, and how you teach has to be self-paced and it has to be individualized. From an academic content standpoint, I mean, it just means like you use personalized learning tools and you use them really smart. Like I think a lot of schools use them, but they don't really use them the right way in my, from, from what I've seen. And then the second thing is what we're talking about now, which is you do take those moments to teach kids soft skills and you don't, as a principal or a superintendent, you know, you shouldn't be breathing down teachers next to teach reading and math for every minute of the block, because sometimes you do need to take a minute to say, Hey, what you said, you didn't say it in a very kind way. So we need to teach you how to, how to ask for things in a kind way. And we, we do that stuff. I mean, we, that's what we do. Absolutely. Let's talk about flex time in schools. If you've been listening for a long time, you know how important I think this is. It gives us more time for personalized learning, increasing choice and agency for students, and the increased enrollment that comes with it, dedicated time for intervention and enrichment. And overall, as school leaders, it gives us and our faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be so tough. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold us back from ensuring students make good use of their time. I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and an intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. Want to see for yourself? Visit myflexlearning.com b to learn more about it and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's myflexlearning.com be. Let's talk a little bit about those personalized tools in a smart way. Tell us more yeah. about that. What are you doing that's so effective in that regard? What I've seen most schools use, let's take, you know, a math, a personalized math program, for, for example. Okay. We, we use Zern. If you're familiar with it, it's just a personalized math program and it allows kids to identify where their deficits are. And then they, they do work and the computer will teach the kids and they will give them problems until they've mastered that skill. And then they move on to the next one. The way most schools I've seen use those tools is they use it as supplemental programs. So if you have a student that's going in third grade, they go to third grade math, but really they're only, their instructional level is first grade. Well, they still have to sit through 80% of third grade math. And then 20% of that third grade math class, the teacher puts them on a computer to do first grade math in a supplemental program, the personalized learning. That's what I see most schools do because they're so stuck in this, I'm a third grader, therefore I should be doing third grade work. We have thrown that idea out 
the window. And we've sort of forced our teachers to, to do that because we have mixed age classes. That was intentional. And we said, okay, we're going to use the personalized program where you're going to, you're going to use the program and you're going to identify what this child's instructional level is, not their grade level, but their instructional level. And that's where you're going to start their teaching. And so we get reports every day and teachers will see, was the child able to complete the independent work on their own or did they try it multiple times and they need a teacher to teach them? And when that happens, they pulled students to get individual instruction in whatever skill that they're struggling with. And then the teacher sends them back to the computer to do their work and show that they've mastered it. So that's another thing that we do that's that's pretty smart, that's that's different. Like sometimes I see rooms full of kids. I've seen this many times, rooms full of kids, and they're just raising their hands when they don't know something. And that's that's the the teaching, you know, the teacher's just walking around the room kind of trying to put out fires as kids raise their hand. Whereas we are using the data reports to identify what skills the kids are not learning from the personalized program. And we're, we're, we're instructing in those skills. Well, and this is one of those things that I have personally been harping about for years that it's, it's one thing to say, like, here's how everybody should learn what we need everybody to learn. But it's an entirely different thing to say, what is it that you individually need to learn and how, what do we need to do to make sure that you learn that thing rather than saying, everybody has to sit through this time period and learn whatever it is yeah. that we're, we're saying has to go on and how powerful it is when it really is customized to the kids that they can learn at their own pace, what they need. And it doesn't matter what age they are or grade level they're in because they get the customized solution just for them. And the technology has existed to help that happen for many years, but hasn't been implemented yeah. well. Uh, it, I agree with you in that regard that, that we're still too stuck on this. You're in third grade, therefore you're in third grade math. Like, no, yeah. you should be at the level that you need to be regardless of what age you are. And if you're a senior in high school, and you need this lower level math, you should have access to it because that's the right thing to do for you. And we shouldn't be putting up barriers for those things to happen. Yeah. yeah. And and you see, you see not only the kind of academic benefits from this, but you start to see the personality and character benefits that are sort of tangential, but they, I mean, there's, there was a kid, I'll just give you one example. He started the year in the 10th percentile, maybe 16th percentile. I might get the, the numbers a little bit wrong, but the concept is very right. And he, he came to us, this tearing up classrooms, just a mess. Emotionally, he was a mess, was two grade levels behind. He got this individualized support for six months. And by the middle of the year, he was scoring in the 50th, 60th percentile. His behaviors, they weren't 100% gone, but they were 95% gone because his confidence was boosted. And he was just talking to one of our teachers the other day. And he's like, oh yeah, you know what? I know, I know my goal is to read 70 words correct per minute, but I want to read 100 words correct per minute. And this was a kid that, I mean, he wouldn't read at all when he started with us. And really it was, 
all we were doing was meeting him and teaching him at his instructional level. And he, he realized he can learn. It boosted his confidence. Yeah. AJ, that's not rocket science. And yet we're not doing it all over the country. I mean, it just, it blows. We're not set up. Yeah. We're not set up that way in this country. The last thing that I want to get to is you're focused on age 27. So yeah, looking at age 27, you know, these kids are three, four years old to 10 years old right now. Um, so you still have 17 to 25 years to not 25, 24, whatever, 17 plus years to, to make like, to really make an impact. How does what you're seeing in one year reflect on that bigger picture of looking at 27 years old? The answer is we don't, we don't really know, you know, we've broken down our curriculum. We don't give letter grades. So we're a standards based grading school and we've broken down our curriculum into specific skills. And we have those skills listed all the way from age four until age 27. So based on our first year, I mean, I could tell you, I think we're 83%, 83% of our kids are going to hit those long-term goals when they're age 27. But that's a theory. I mean, I don't think anybody has done this before um, besides the the Harvard study. But even that was that was college students that they were following until they were, you know, in their 80s. I've not seen anybody follow the children from this kind of holistic, well-rounded curriculum from the time they're age four until they're age 27. We're trying to find a university partner. I'll be honest, like that's something we're trying to do is to get an, a third-party independent research team from a university that helps us track this, this data so that we can validate this kind of curriculum. That is really fascinating because a couple of things. Number one, I just started my uh, doctoral program in character education and servant leadership. So there might be a way for us to work together on this. Also, this is something that I want to follow up on for the the rest of my life because I think it's so powerful what you're doing. And you're right. I don't think anybody is. There, there are longitudinal studies about kids, but I don't know that there's anything that is specifically like we're focusing on the whole child ourselves for this whole time. And, and yeah. that's what the big difference is. Like these kids, they go to different schools, they move around and all that kind of stuff. But you're really saying yeah. like, we want to keep these kids with us for that whole entire time. And they may leave, they will leave the school eventually, but we want to stay in touch with them afterwards. So yeah, I think there's, there's some really fascinating stuff. I'm just so excited to see it. And I love how you're like, we don't know what the answer is. We don't know what this really looks like or, or what it's going to be. But let me tell you from my own experience, working with middle school students, doing as best I could something similar with very different resources and very different, uh, ability to, to make things happen. I saw tremendous growth in in the middle school years with kids learning things that adults don't even know how to do yet, that they were mastering at the middle school level, which is totally possible and totally exciting to think about that they can actually do that. Yeah. This is, I think really powerful. And I think there's going to be a lot of cool stuff coming out of this. The, the last thing we should talk about is you want people to come work for you. And hopefully by talking on this podcast and having people hear what you're doing, 
and hear the previous episode, uh, which people can can get to by going to transformativeprinciple.org slash S8 slash 391 or search for the Greater Dayton School. And it'll be linked in these show notes also. But like this is something that we want people to come and be part of if they are interested in it. So I uh, give us a little pitch for teachers if they're listening to this and like, I want to teach at that school. How should they get in contact with you? Yeah, we're next year we're hiring two preschool teachers and um, a mixed age third through fifth grade, probably two mixed age third through fifth grade teachers and another enrichment teacher. And that could be fitness. It could be whatever. We're, we're not, we're, we don't have to just teach uh, music and art for enrichment. Yeah. Those are great subjects. We do teach those, but we can be more flexible. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, sure. teachers should email me at aj at greaterdayton.org. This is a great place for teachers. We, we, we tell our teachers all the time, like we hire in the top 10%. So we don't have, you know, that, that curmudgeon teacher in the building that just doesn't pull their weight, that those people just don't work here. And so I do think, I know for a fact, because our team has told me this, that, you know, they feel like this is such a great team because they're all like very good at what they do and they put the kids first. It's a great, it's a great place for teachers to work, especially if you care about educating the whole child because you're encouraged to do so here. So, yeah. And if you're not, you're probably not going to last very long there if you're not interested in that. If you can't yep. handle the kid leaving your classroom to go to a dentist appointment on the same campus, uh, that could be a problem. <laughs> so, That's right. Probably, <laughs> That's yeah. absolutely right. Okay. Well, AJ, thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principle again. I look forward to us staying in touch and giving updates about this uh, for the next several years. Thanks, Jethro. Always, uh, always a pleasure. Good to good to see you face to face this time, yeah. and uh, good to good to catch up. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to ixl.com/be to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com BE.